Welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast, the pinball podcast which has spent the last couple years trying to expose for all of you out there a charlatan, a fraud, a liar, a thief in the pinball hobby. We weren't often listened to. We were often ignored. But the truth finally came out this morning. More of the truth. And we're going to read it on this edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast because I have another interview that I wanted to air this morning with Joe Newhart of Pinball Star. It's really amazing. We're going to do it this week. Um, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to enjoy it. Speaking of enjoyable podcasts, before you listen to this one, you should probably turn it off and go listen to the Slam Tilt podcast. They did this amazing sort of battle royale podcast um, with with like eight dudes, which is absolutely incredible. It had like Crazy Levy, it had Marty, it had Ryan, had Tim Sexton, had Craig Paparelli. Um, I'm probably messing up some of their names, some of their people on there, but it is awesome. It's like eight of them back and forth. Um, it's three hours long, but it's totally worth it. So like kudos to, to my friends over at Slam Tilt for such an awesome podcast. But back to the issue at hand, Andrew Highway of Highway Pinball. And here's the thing. Here's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of people wanting to remain anonymous. I'm tired of all these people who under threat of NDA allowed this clown to go on for year and year and year and take people's money and lie to them. He abused the people around him. He abused his power as the leader of a company. He abused the investors who donated their hard-earned money to his pinball venture. He went around to pinball shows for years and lied to so many of you face-to-face. And now so many of you are going to lose everything. All right, right now in, what is it, April 30th? of 2018, if you did not get your alien pinball machine, you are getting nothing. Your money is gone. It's it's evaporated. You are getting no game. Alien pinball machine will not be made by the pinball brothers. The news of today is this, and I want to read it for you word for word, what is actually happening right now with the leftover remnants of highway pinball, because it, it sucks. And it needs to be discussed and it needs to be talked about. 
and I'm sorry, but this guy needs to stop. I mean, I am so upset because he still thinks that he wants to maintain his integrity. I mean, is there any more of a, a, a comical word to describe Andrew Highway than integrity? All right. So here's what's happening right now. Um, all the assets are packed in containers from Highway Pinball and are being shipped to Sweden. The new pinball company, the Pinball Brothers, these guys are going to make Queen Pinball. They've obviously transferred the rights to Queen Pinball, and they now want to make Queen Pinball. Now, all the question marks around that seem really, really troublesome. How can they actually just declare bankruptcy with Highway, nobody gets their alien pinball machines, and now they're going to start a new pinball company and make Queen? Bullshit. Nobody is going to forget what happened at Highway and just give these guys a blank slate. So good luck with that venture. And who the fuck even wants Queen Pinball to begin with? Um, these are the same investors, um, but a different company. All the alien completed games and parts, they're, they're being sold by these guys. So if you already paid for your alien pinball machine, you are not getting it. They are going to sell the remaining machines to new money to get themselves a little bit out of the hole. All right, so think about that for a minute. You bought your game. They built your game. Your game is sitting somewhere physically in Europe and they're gonna sell it to someone local who just stumbles in today with cash. You're not getting your game. Um, to keep the games going, they have no support or warranty. So if you have an alien pinball machine and you think you're ever gonna get support again or get some help, you're out of luck. They are cutting bait. It is over. And there are not enough alien owners out there to try and fix all the problems that Andrew Highway left with this machine. All right? So every, everyone who's owed anything from Highway itself has lost everything. There is no, there is nothing left coming to you. All right? But that doesn't, that's not really what is upsetting me the most this morning. Okay? So here's really what just irks me is Andrew Highway continues to defend his integrity and his position and hide behind all these lies and all these excuses. And I want to read for you some of the truth of what it was like working for Han Andrew Highway. And you heard some of it on my last podcast, but we got even more details, things that were even more specific. Um, because here's what's happening. The people are afraid they're afraid of Andrew Highway. They're afraid of talking about Andrew Highway. They're afraid of revealing um, what it was like working with Andrew Highway. But I'm here to tell you today, if there's anyone who's not afraid of Andrew Highway, it's me. He's a bully, he's a fraud, and he's a liar, and he has been misleading people for years, and we called him out on this podcast. We tried to share information on Pinside about this guy, which the Pinside moderation staff decided to keep silent from you, and there were a lot of people out there who were defending this guy really early on. Now, I want to read to you. Sit down if you're standing up. I want to read to you what Andrew Highway was like. I want to read to you the truth. And I'm just going to skip. There's a great story on This Week in Pinball. But I want to skip to the recent stuff of what happened. And this is coming from someone who worked with Andrew Highway. This isn't coming from, you know, some Pinside fanboys. This isn't coming from me. This is word for word what it was like working 
with Andrew Highway. All right. I'm going to just start off somewhere in the middle where it's pretty interesting. He hired more staff at a time when we didn't have enough work for them to do. So they sat around getting paid to do nothing. He then decided to move to a much larger factory. Only a third of it was ever used. Later, we found out he'd not paid the rent on the previous property. And then again, when we moved for a third time to ebb value, leaving behind a mountain of unpaid bills. When the money pot was getting low, he would call the investors with an ultimatum each time. Give me more money or I close the business and you lose everything. Foolishly, they did over and over. And when each investor was bled dry and refused to pay any more, Andrew would get new investors. In the end, I have no idea how many investors there were. Eventually, his out-of-control spending emptied the account for staff salaries, and there was a period of two months where no one was getting paid. He even asked members of staff for money to help save the company from their personal savings. Many people left the company because of the wages situation. Money was nearly always paid in late or only half would go into the staff accounts with a promise that the other half would follow. Morale in the company as back as 2013 was low. And it was clear at this point the company had absolutely no chance of being a success while Andrew Highway was in charge. He had to go. The investors were desperate to get him out a year before he eventually left. Andrew always made sure he was okay. He moved from a rented villa with heated indoor pool to a lavish six-bedroom detached house. He bought a Porsche and always paid himself a very generous salary with additional benefits. Then there were the licenses. We had issues with our first game, Full Throttle. It had technical issues and incomplete code, but Andrew wanted it out the out the door with no manual and no testing. Just get it out the door was his mentality. And before a single Full Throttle left the factory, he announced that he'd secure the licenses uh, at a considerable expense for Alien, Queen, and Playboy, which floored everyone at the company. Then he announced Alien publicly soon after with the clear intention of getting pre-order money to keep the company um, and his personal lifestyle going. Not a single penny of Alien pre-order money was ever spent on an Alien machine. Let me read that line again. Not a single penny of Alien pre-order money was ever spent on an Alien machine. Sales for Full Throttle were immediately affected by the Alien announcement as orders were canceled and transferred to Alien instead, a game that Andrew promised would be ready in April 2015, an insane timeline which pissed off Dennis Norman and so he walked. Andrew was also completely clueless when it came to dealing with license. Alien, for example, was a complete clusterfuck from start to finish. Andrew had no idea what assets we could use from the film. We asked him, can we use the actors, Sigourney? Can we use the music, sound fix? He came back with, I don't know. And so a lot of time we wasted developing a game with assets we later couldn't use. The U.S. team, Oric, Brian, Joe Kelly, and David picked up the ball 
that the Wales team fumbled and ran with it. The success of Alien is entirely down to the U.S. team. We all hated Playboy and absolutely no one, including the investors, wanted to make that game. A terrible idea, but Andrew insisted. And so two years were wasted developing that game, which was later employed by the which was wait, later dropped with a significant loss of money. Barry Osler was hired to work on the design of Playboy Queen and a third game. He was uh, employed by the company and paid a monthly retaining fee. But for two years, he did very little and eventually left. Another unnecessary drain on the company's finances. Andrew also hired the cheapest people he could find for the company. No one with the exception of Dennis Norman and Barry Osler had any previous experience of building pinball machines. In fact, most of the staff had no interest in pinball at all, including our mechanical engineer. There was no passion to drive the company forward. It was a job for most of the employees, and that makes a big difference when compared to Stern or JJP, where the entire team are passionate and driven. The cheapest possible parts were used in our games to increase the profit margin. Margin. Reliability was never a concern for Andrew. It was all about the money and raising his own profile. He just couldn't see any further than the end of each week. He didn't even consider the issues we'd have later when the machines were with customers and faults were being reported. This all seemed like a surprise to him, and he was quick to blame his staff for everything that went wrong. Believing in his own crazy mind that our machines were perfect, no manuals were ever created or even planned. There was no support structure in the company at all. So calls and emails were mostly ignored. Communication with customers was always appalling. We had no sales team, no customer service department. Andrew had no interest in customers once they paid their money. Staff actually stepped up once Andrew was out to try to fix this, but poor communication and continued uh, because the new investors didn't put a manager in place. Instead, they tried to manage the business themselves from overseas part-time. Without a manager, the company was leaderless and spiraling out of control. When the new investors took over, they had a clear plan to make 100 machines a month. What they didn't know because of Andrew's bullshit was that Alien wasn't fit to be sold. It still needed months of development to fix all the issues. They were also hit with refund requests, which drained all the money they had set aside to manufacture Alien. At this point, they knew they had duped. They, they, they had been duped, but it was too late. Andrew was paid a substantial amount of money for selling a worthless company heavily in debt. He was gone, laughing all the way to the bank. He wanted to prove something, maybe to make up for all his past failures. This isn't Andrew's only failed business and it won't be his last. It's clear to me he was only in it for the short term. His intention was to build up the company as fast as possible, then sell it and walk away with some decent cash in his pocket. Of course, the pinball community only ever saw the cheerful and passionate salesmen and were happy to hand over their money. I have to give him credit for his skill as a salesman. He sold a lemon to everyone, customers, staff, investors, distributors, a lesson learned by everyone. Never ever trust a salesman. On Friday, the 20th of April, all staff were called in to work and officially made redundant. The week prior to this, all remaining staff had been packing up the factory for closure. A handful of alien machines were also finished and packed up in this time. The factory is now empty. Assets not owned by Highway Pinball have been moved to a new location. Highway Pinball will be liquidated on 4th of May. The investors are planning to start a new company under a new name. 
what exactly the plan isn't clear. All right, let me stop there. Let me stop there because, wow, that is everything we thought was going on with this company validated by someone who is there. And it is incredible. It is incredible that people got burned time and time again by this guy. Now, look, I I get it. I get it. People's love of pinball supersedes their common sense. And we see it all the time. But if if you're going to get super excited about new pinball machines and new themes, at least do it with a proven company. You know, but the thing is this. This is what I don't get. Is when Andrew Highway went on Nate Shiver's show in 2015 and said he was going to make 500 games a month. When he said he was going to sell like thousands of full throttles and nothing ever came to fruition. That was even before he was taking money on Alien Pinball and you guys were paying in full for your Alien Pinball machines. And I just feel bad for you people out there. I feel bad for anyone who got misled by this man. I mean, one rotten apple can bring down an entire bunch of good people. So is the story over? Are we at the end of Andrew Highway and Highway Pinball's effect on the pinball world and the pinball community? Uh, You know, these new investors now want to go make queen and they want to cut bait. And so the story isn't over. It's going to keep going. And we're going to once again have another pinball startup by men who know nothing about making pinball machines. And it's sad. I feel bad. I feel bad because you don't even know the half of it. Because what you're not getting in any of these reports from people is how Andrew actually treated his employees. Now, I'm going to do a separate podcast where I read for you. We're going to do that Andrew Highway, the musical. We're going to do that episode where I read for you the correspondence that took place between Andrew and one of his employees. And I want you to hear when it's orated, the level of anger and tyranny and and like vitriol by which this gentleman managed his team. And I've been saying it. Some have been saying it. He was incompetent. His ability to manufacture pinball machines and and deliver on what he said he was going to do um, was never going to happen. And how many red flags did you did you guys need? You, you you know Dennis Norman quit immediately. The guy who's designing the game quit immediately. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Dennis Norman, shame. Okay. Why didn't you say why? All these guys remained quiet. Oh, NDA, and bullshit NDA. If you're going to go, there, there's, there is nothing, you are not going to find a judge that is going to like throw the book at someone who signed an NDA by a guy who's doing, you know, disingenuous business practices. This isn't like a trade secret you revealed. You basically had information that could have helped people not lose their money. Now, look, Dennis was pretty vocal about why he left the people. People knew why. People knew why. Um, So it's not really on him. I, I do think the assholes like Hilton and the people who shilled this company should be banned forever from the forums. I mean, it is at the point now where all these people want to say their hands are clean of of this travesty. Bullshit. Bullshit. I want to read for you 
some of what the people were saying when Kim Mitchell was showing information that Andrew Highway had had eight failed companies. And what he said was this. He's like, look, there's, there are public reports of him closing down eight companies. But he also said, more importantly, there is absolutely zero proof that anything he started was ever successful. So if you want to look at, okay, people would be like, well, closing a company down and liquidating it isn't proof that it's a failure. Bullshit. Well, then fine. Show me it succeeded. Show me Andrew Highway has ever had a successful business venture and I'll shut up. And you know what? Nobody ever did. But let's call out the individuals and let's read for you what these Pinside individuals said when Kim Mitchell was trying to share information that was validated that would have helped many people save money and get out of Andrew Highway's failed business. All right. So Kim Mitchell wrote, and remember, this was like two years ago. Kim Mitchell wrote, Andrew was 0 for 8 with his ventures when I posted that information. Um, during my back and forth with Andrew at that time, I pointed out his 100% failure rating. Okay, so he, he was saying, I think he wrote this recently about what he posted back two years ago. And so when you look back at the old post, and I want to thank Sonny Jim on Pinside for keeping people honest and reminding people what they said. So... So we got a, so Fishbone on Pinside, this is, again, these are all people's responses after Kim Mitchell presented the info. Fishbone writes, what a sad attempt of digging up some dirt. And then Kim Mitchell responded, could you please explain all the Zolve companies from your past going back to 1995 with Highway Leisure Limited? Those websites don't show any successful or, or sustaining for any length of time. And then quoted from Highway Pinball. So this is Andrew Highway talking back to Kim Mitchell when Kim Mitchell was asking him to just, Andrew, prove to us you're successful. He wrote, to you, sorry, no. I'm not going to explain my life story. And then Kim wrote back, that's your prerogative, but it's more than just me you'd be explaining to. I'm not the only one with concerns here. And I think these unanswered questions will linger for you and create doubt. What a pity. And then Pinsider, Pinball Rules writes, let it go. You got answers. It was just not what you wanted to hear. Not enough drama for you. Then Pinsider Travis writes, downvote me if you want, but I think shit stirring will create doubt. It's not like they are asking for full payment up front. They are shipping games for Pete's sakes. Then Pinsider, way too word, writes, it's real, it's being made, and it's coming fast. And in my honest opinion, you are just here stirring the pot for some unknown agenda. Then Why Snow writes in, why the witch hunt all of a sudden, Kim? Then Auric writes in, Kim, grow up. Tell me to my face if you have problems. It's pathetic to go around trying to trash talk me on a forum. You're just making yourself look bad and trying to drag a pinball company down is just low. And then Cheap Trick 33 wrote, Mr. 68, that's Kim, I'm now talking directly to you. What's your problem? Not enough hugs as a child? You came into this thread, take a verbal dump in the middle of it and wonder why people are not happy? And then Pinsider N. N-Man writes, seriously though, Andrew, don't waste your time responding to this kind of crap. Go get Alien ready to show. And then Pinsider Old Pin Guy writes, I trust Andrew to run any business I had the opportunity to be involved in. Let me repeat that line. Out of all the people who should go down as being 
fucking idiotic. It's Pinsider old pin guy. I trust Andrew to run any business I had the opportunity to be involved in. Really, old pin guy? What 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 traits of Andrew Highway? What did you see in him that the rest of us missed that you would trust him to run any business? And then I love that Kim Mitchell signs off with this. He says, In my opinion, Alien will be successfully made and delivered. It's the long-term viability of the company that should concern people. All right, let's let's just stop there and give a round of applause to Kim Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen. The man was 100% correct. Not 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 10% correct, not 5% correct, 100% spot on. Every, even down to the point where he says they'll make some games, but the long-term viability should be something you're concerned about. And he was absolutely accurate. And what did you do? You ran him off the thread. You downvoted him. You called him all sorts of names. You called him a shit stir. Now that you're reading what it was like working with Andrew Highway, now that you're reading all this stuff, what, what, like what, what do these guys have to say for themselves? All right? And Hilton is the worst. He's the worst because he, he, look, if you for a minute, and I, I, I want to remind people of who got the fir- one of the first aliens in America. Who did? Why did Andrew Highway collude with one person and get them their pinball machine before anyone else? Do not forget the fact that Hilton was one of the first people in America to get their alien pinball machine solely so he could shill the game. He was not an early pre-order buyer. He did not wait for years for his alien machine. Andrew Highway knew he had a patsy. He knew he had a shill who would promote the company and cheerlead for it so that so many of you would be convinced that your alien pinball machines were about to ship. And what did Hilton do? He played the role perfectly. He told you how great the game was, right? He told you that Alien Highway's designer was one of the greatest designers of all time. Go back and read. He said that Dave Sanders was the new Steve Ritchie. He was the new king of flow, right? He said the game was perfect, had no issues, even though even though his own alien machine had tons of issues. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He hid that from people. He was not upfront and honest about all of the issues his alien machine had. And so he continued to create what Andrew Highway wanted, which was the facade that everything was okay, that you would get your machine, that you should stay in on it, that everything is going to be all right. Okay? Now, that shill, Hilton, also was the same person who led people to believe Kevin Kulik was going to be all right. And I'm here to say today, Force Flow, Robin, Tiger Law, you know, all the all you Pinside moderators and staff who listen to this podcast, will you get off your asses and ban this motherfucker once and for all? At what point are you going to like wake up and fucking extract the people from your forum that have led people astray, that have become patsies and shills for all of these frauds and charlatans, and they're going to do it again. And then they hide behind the excuse that they're just fans of pinball. And, and, and again, it's like no other, no other podcast is going to tell you directly the, the role that Pinside played in, in this calamity. 
is, is very significant. It's very significant. And I think a lot of you should be pissed the fuck off. And you should run these people off your sites. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I think they're all a bunch of wimps. I think they're a bunch of cowards. I think Forceflow and Robin are, are, are totally cowardly. You go into other forums and you know what they don't let you do? I'm on car forums. You know what they don't let you do? They don't let manufacturers come on and just shill their products and sell their stuff. They have to pay to do that, okay? These people have allowed idiots like Andrew and Kevin Kulik like steal money from the, from the hobby and from the community. And you know what happens? You know what happens when they do that? People leave the hobby. They leave the hobby and the hobby gets a bad name that, you know, pinball's like this speculative market where you could lose money. What, what other fucking toy market out there, right? What other market of unnecessary product? Are you going to like go spend $8,000 and show up with nothing years later? It's an absolute joke. And I'm just pissed off because these people are still on the site. They're still on the site. They even let Andrew Highway's account remain on the site. For fuck's sakes, Robin, at least ban Andrew Highway's account. It's over. Read what he did. Why don't you make a statement, Robin, about Pinside and moving forward, we're going to learn a lesson and change the way we operate. You know what? You know what's funny? You know what's funny is like they won't do anything. Everything is like, oh, we're going to purge Pinside of these people. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, do something. Do something. You've allowed and contributed and aided and abetted these companies' ability to fuck people over, and you're doing nothing, nothing, all right? And I, am I the only one who's upset by this? It, it, like, literally, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine why these people remain. You know, someone sent me an email, and they said, Chris, you know, love your podcast. You got a lot of listeners. You should start your own forum. I don't want to start a pinball forum. I shouldn't have to start a pinball forum. Pinside is still the best pinball forum. I love the layout of Pinside. I love the way it's easy to like, you know, follow what's happening at each manufacturer. I think Pinside is a great site. I just think they've allowed a few of these cantankerous people to remain around forever, right? And it's just, it just gets old. Do I want to be back on Pinside? Whatever, you know, I don't, you know, it's just funny. That, that my podcast and my commentary, it just, it's like you can't – because I couldn't do this, right? I, I couldn't call out these people on Pinside because I'd be threat ejected and banned. But I'm looking out for you guys. If you think my interest is not in your best interest, it is. All I care about is people getting the pinball machines they pay for. And clearly what we just heard today is Andrew Highway was never in it to get you your pinball machines. He always wanted to sell the company. He builds up something that w whether it's leaking water or not, and then he wants to move on to the next. And, and, and it, do we need any more proof? And now he's, he's got a new venture. Ironically, it's a boat. Ironically, his company that was building Alien failed on Alien Day. It doesn't get any more ironic than that. All right. Now, there's still so much good going on in the pinball world. And we're going to hear about it when I, when I air the interview with Joe Newhart. It's really fun. It'll air this week. It'll air this week. But... I think we're at a point now where we all have a responsibility to get rid of the freaking losers from the site. We have a responsibility to stand up to people like Andrew Highway. You know, he's a bully. He's a bully. He took advantage of people. He took advantage of people that were weaker than him. He took advantage of people that needed a job. He took advantage of, of, of people who, who, 
who deserved to get rent for the buildings that were theirs. He took advantage of people who have hard-earned money invested in him. You know, not for a minute, not for a minute can you forget the fact that when you, for people who lost money on Alien Pinball, you know, that, that's a vacation that they're not going to be able to take with their family. It's some money people might need for a medical procedure or for like a mortgage payment. It's all the things they could have done with this money and they invested it in this man and they should be really, really angry and you should be really, really upset and angry with them and we should collect the people and gather the people that made this happen and just ensure that this doesn't happen again, that this isn't fair. It's not fair to have these people get away with this stuff. And for those of you out there with information, I implore you to share it. I implore you to come on this show and tell your story. You know, this podcast, it, it, it doesn't, it's not necessary. You know, people ask me all the time, like, why do you do a pinball podcast? Like, how can you do a pinball podcast? Like, what is there to even talk about in the world of pinball? And when I try to explain to them, you know, it might just seem like pinball, right? You go into a bar and there's a toy and most people walk up and they're just trying to not to keep it from draining. And to them, that's the world of pinball. And when I tell them actually the story of the pinball hobby, it has everything that makes life interesting. It has, it has happy moments. It has sad moments. It has liars. It has cheats. It has honest people. It has creative people. It has not creative people. You know, it's, it's got things to anticipate, things to wait for, moments where things are delivered, moments where your expectations are blown away, moments where your expectations are not met. You know, all the emotions we experience in life somehow some way are wrapped up in this microcosm we call the pinball hobby. And it's, it's, it's makes it interesting. It, it makes it interesting to talk about, you know, it, on a lot of levels. And I know we use other hobbies as examples in a lot, in a lot of ways, this hobby to me actually provides more of a variety of stuff to talk about than even in the automotive world, than even in the video game world. And I'll tell you why, because in a lot of other hobbies, uh, things just go smoothly for the most part. <laughs> like there's, there's not like, you know, you get a demon, the demon works. I got a warranty. Like it's, it's fun to drive. You know, no one who bought a demon is not going to get one. Um, no one who invested in these cars, like comes up empty handed. I think the pinball hobby, the reason why we can do it weekly is there are just like so many inconsistencies in what's going on. Uh, I love doing this podcast and I love that you listen to this podcast uh, because I do love going after those topics. I, I don't go after tournament play. I don't go after, you know, rule sets and scoring because to me, that's not what makes pinball fun for me. I love playing pinball machines. I do. Um, but I find enjoyment in pinball on a different level than trying to set a top score. And I think once you realize that, that pinball is made up of a division of people, Sorry, some people, that means a lot to them. Some people, they could care less. You know, I saw a thread on Pinside this week about uh, which John Papadou games should be remade. And someone chimed in, you all know him, Crazy Levy, being like, John Papadouk is the most overrated designer of all time. All of his games kind of suck. And he listed why, you know, Toadin isn't deep and Theater of Magic is repetitive and Circus Voltaire, like only three shots. And what Crazy Levy doesn't get, this is the thing is tournament players have no 
fucking clue as to why collectors love John Papaduke machines. It comes down to a few simple things. The games look incredible. The games have magical things going on in them. The games are bright. The, the games have like awesome sound and callouts. It feels like a fun, I get it immediately pinball experience. It doesn't have the depth to go into a tournament, but for most pinball people, this is it. Most pinball collectors, even defeating the genie in Tales of the Arabian Nights is difficult for them. They don't do it every time they play. They might do it like once a week. And it's satisfying for them that they see the finish line in the game and they can go achieve it. But while they're not playing it, the game is the sexiest goddamn thing you could have sitting in your room. And that's what gives them happiness. They see pinball as a work of art that they can play. And that's why they love collecting pinball machines. And these tournament players, they, they really get on my nerves because they think pinball is only designed for them. And they don't understand that that's not the way it is. It's like saying you can't buy a car unless you want to take it to the track every weekend because then you're not using it the way it was ultimately intended to be used. And it's just not a valid argument. We're allowed to, to like pinball because of different things. And I, and I think if J-pop games, and someone said this, well then Crazy Levy, if you're right, then why are J-pop games in the top 20 all over the top 100 games? And why do collectors gobble them up whenever a nice condition Theater of Magic or Circus Voltaire or Tales of the Arabian Nights is up for sale? Why is there such high demand for them if you're saying the games are so overrated? Exactly. Exactly. I would much rather have a Toad in than a Star Wars, even if Star Wars plays better, it has more depth, and is, you know, is, is coded better. I don't care. I don't care. The disappearing magnet and the shooting star outlanes are cooler than anything happening in Star Wars. All right? All right. Let's talk a little bit about Iron Maiden. So Iron Maiden, Ellie, everyone sort of gets, gets it. It's out. It's sold out. Um, some of them are selling for $11,000, 11500 11500 Is that even like a phrase? Um, but we haven't seen the premium. And I think it's kind of, um, it's kind of awkward that Stern has put the buyers in this situation where you, you have to have sent your money in for your Ellie. You have to commit to your Ellie, but you don't know if the premium artwork, the power slave Egyptian artwork might be the one you like more, but you have to go in on the Ellie. And we've never seen Stern do this before where it is just like a, a staggered reveal of what the art packages will be. Uh, I'm here to tell you that I think most likely you are going to see the Power Slave Premium artwork tomorrow. Uh, I think Iron Maiden is scheduled to put up the reveal of the game tomorrow. Uh, that should be what happens. I don't know. They might only do the LE, but I think we're going to see the premium this week. Uh, and that will be exciting because, uh, you know, I, I just want to see all the art packages. I also want to talk to Zombie Yeti about what it was creating these three different machines. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot of excitement there. And Iron Maiden continues to be a positive beacon in the hobby. Uh, and, and, and I'm really looking forward to spending some time on the game. And I love seeing all the excitement around Maiden. I, I think it's great. I do. I think it's absolutely terrific on um, what we're reading and what we're hearing about Iron Maiden. All right. Speaking of J-pop, speaking of um, what's going on and, and the threat of legal and NDAs and whatnot, I don't know if you saw the interaction on Pinside between Robert Mueller at Deep Root and Bill Brandis. 
So Bill Brandis, as you know, worked uh, with John Papaduke for a little bit with his Pantasia venture, which was trying to get John to release the games. They had good intentions and they realized, like mostly everyone who's looked at John's game, that it was never going to work. And so they got out. Okay. Now, look, Bill bought the rights to John's Zidware games when he went to bail John out. And, and Bill did a lot of, um, you know, absolving of John's debts, if you will, when, when he became um, hitched up with Zidware. He got out. We all know the story with American Pinball. But here's the thing now. Here's the thing now. Is that basically Bill is talking a little bit more publicly about what went down, about how the IP transfer worked with American Pinball. And he's basically getting threatened by Robert Mueller that the stuff he's saying actually puts Bill in breach of, of his non-disclosure agreement about what went down with J-pop and, and almost is opening him up to a lawsuit. And it's just kind of like, Robert, I just want to give you some advice. I do. I want to just help you out. I, I, I want to help you from yourself. I don't want to see you say stuff like that, get 30-something downvotes, because I think Deep Root is, is in a situation that is really easy to figure out. You need to win people over. You need to learn how to influence and make friends. This is not a hobby where being a shrewd asshole gets you anywhere. It, it doesn't get you anywhere. If I was just a dick on this podcast all the time, nobody would listen, all right? You need to have some empathy, Robert, and understand what people went through with John. You need to understand that people's comments about John, and, and, and they, they, they're valid, okay? And you also need to understand that there is a truth to what happened with John Papaduke. And I always hate it. When people hide the truth behind legal NDAs and legal pressure, and they, they, they basically they, they suffocate the ability for the truth to come out, and they only want you to hear what they, what they want to spin as the truth. And so John Papaduke, we're not going to go down that road right now, but here's what's happening this week for those of you out there who probably have forgot about this, but the J-pop trial is happening. And I heard that it's actually, I think it's kicking off this week. I'm not absolutely sure, but I'm pretty sure I heard that this week, John Papaduke will have his day in court. And the lawsuit that Deep Root tried to get everyone to give up on, right? I mean, they threatened people, basically. You either, we're going to give you credit towards a game, like 50 cents to the dollar towards your game, if you drop the lawsuit against John Papaduke. And I want to say that I'm very happy and I'm very proud of those men out there who said, no, we're not going to let him get away with this. We are not going to take 50 cent to the dollar. He did something and he deserves to pay. You know, there's something in life called principle. And it's the principle that keeps a lot of these men in on this lawsuit. And John keeps getting bailed out time and time again. And it's happening again. Now, Deep Root. I think TPF is going to come up so much faster than these guys realize. And the five days of Deep Root, the five days of Deep Root, um, I, I hope it's not like the five final days if they don't come and deliver. Like they've got to come with fully functioning machines that are going to wow people. 
and not something that's like, oh, and by the way, we're going to make these a year from now. I, all that talk of quad manufacturing and how fast they could do things and how other manufacturers were going to be so envious of their model. Look, I hope we see it. I hope we see it, but uh, I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to win many people over if we're still just seeing like prototype versions of games. Um, no, 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 no. We need to see stuff working. Fucking Magic Girl has been a prototype for like seven years now, it feels like. Get the fucking thing done. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little coffee on me. That's why I'm cursing a little bit. Um, Jersey Jack Pinball. Everything's going to be fine with Pirates. It is. We've all overreacted. I, my, I myself, I still think it's going to be a great game. I know... Um, Keith was interviewed on on Head to Head Pinball. You guys should check that out. Keith interviews are, are about as deep as his code, like an hour and a half with Keith, maybe longer. Uh, I I do think Keith does it do, overblows the code too much. I think Lord of the Rings is the perfect amount of code in a game. I don't need to select from 22 characters, yada yada yada. But whatever, it's for you know if you're going to have it in your home, which most people are. Jersey Jack games are more homebound than location bound. I think that's fine. Um, so check out that podcast at Head to Head Pinball. I'm trying to think if anything else is going on. Oh, yeah. I want to end this episode because this has been like a sort of like, let's just fucking get to the truth, right? Let, let's stand up for our values. Let's get these charlatans off the site. Let's own up, all right? It's time to own up and man up and, and be a man. If you want to say something, if you want to say something that's going to light a fire, like back it up, right? I think I've been lighting the fire about highway pinball. I think I've backed it up with reasons why you should get your money the fuck out of there. And now look where we're at. But someone out there, I know listens to this podcast and I just got to tell them, it's just either like, either say everything you mean about this or shut up about it. Because I, I hate the, the ambiguity of it all. And that is Mr. Ben Heck talking about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle in this like really short, contrite, like men are like basically saying he went into the thread and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle has issues. And, and it's like, Ben, like we get the story. And I've invited Ben on this show to talk. I'm like, Ben, come on and talk. He's like, well, I'm not going to, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to like say anything damaging about people. But Ben, like Thumper said in Bambi, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. And here's why. Because it's not like Ben is going to say something about spooky pinball to save us from losing money. All right. Look, you should whistle blow when you have information about a game that's going to keep people from actually getting their game because the company might be collapsing. But if you just have a problem with the way the game's designed and this and that, then fucking say it. Don't kind of say it. Don't half say it. And don't say you don't want to say it because you still want to maybe make a game with Spooky Pinball in the future. Like, seriously, like, if I'm Charlie, it's like, what the f fuck? I, like, if you, if you want to just take a hiatus, you want to take a sabbatical, go ahead. But I just don't, I just can't stand people that want to half say shit and then hide behind the fact that they want to remain anonymous. I mean, I get it all the time. I get it all the time on my podcast. I get people who share with me information, like like Aaron at Fast Pinball. Like he'll share like the most innocuous thing with me and be like, well, well don't attribute it to me. Well, why not, bro? It's fucking pinball. Are you not man enough to stand behind some 
inside bit of information you heard about a manufacturer. Because I'll tell you why I think these guys need to all sack up. You're grown men and you're afraid of what the reaction might be from a pinball manufacturer. I mean, sack the fuck up, guys. Shit, man. Imagine if I ran into a bar and we're like, hey, guys, they didn't share the fucking Iron Maiden premium artwork on the pinball machine. Everyone would look at me and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get out of here, you fucking loser. So that's all I'm asking. Look, every once in a while, I'll get sensitive information from people. I'll get sensitive information from, you know, like, like, um, like Wayne sometimes over in Australia. And like, I'll keep it, I'll keep it off the record when he's telling me to, but here's the thing. Wayne, Wayne is at least a man. Wayne fucking like, he doesn't hide behind stuff. He tells me it like it is. Oh yeah. And you know what? I owe the biggest fucking apology I've ever made on this show to Wayne in Australia. I'll tell you why I know this. <laughs> why I know this. I'll tell you why I'm going to do this. Because Wayne was fucking right. He got the timing wrong, but he was right. The Jersey Jack CEO, Joe, whatever his name is, he's gone. There is no more Joe at Jersey Jack Pinball. He's gone. He's been gone for over a month. So there you go. Wayne was right. They were, they were in the process of sacking that guy when he told me it. Now, he got the timing off. But he was right. So Wayne, I apologize. I hope you share with me more information in the future. All right. But that's it, man. Man up. Man up, people. Stop worrying about it. You know, I hear all the time from like Stern Pinballs, not, not, they're not happy with what I said about this and what about that. Cool. Cool. I, I have nothing but respect for George Gomez, for Stern Pinball. And they know that. They know that. They listen to this show. You know, I know for a fact, like Stern has made decisions based upon things I've said in this show. Like it kind of, but it's weird to me because like instead of Stern like working with me, I think they sometimes try to like work against me. And, and, I, and I implore them, I implore them to understand why people listen to this show and how this show um, is fair and is balanced. And the only reason we get there because nobody's putting their money in my pocket I'm not afraid if I'm going to upset George Gomez every once in a while because I respect George Gomez and I hope he respects this show, but I'm not going to not say something because it might hurt the feelings of Steve Ritchie or George Gomez or John Trudeau or you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm just going to tell you like it is because this is a hobby for me. I'm not going to say anything that's actually going to like damage someone's like career or life. All right, it's pinball. It's pinball. And, 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 and that's just the way it is. Man up. Who gives a shit? It's like P3 multimorphic. It's like, will someone please tell Jerry like the reality of what's going on? Please. I think Jerry would benefit from more honest feedback versus everyone just being like, oh, he's a nice guy. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to hurt his feelings. Seriously. Seriously. You're grown men. He's asking you for $10,000 for his game. If you have honest feedback, share it. You're not being nice by being silent. He will never learn what he needs to do to make P3 a hit if everyone just keeps the feedback to themselves or, or quietly talks shit about stuff at the bar, but then goes up to his face and shakes his hand and say they, they love it. Honesty, it's pinball. Share your honest opinions. Give Kim Mitchell 
the 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 lifetime achievement award the pinside lifetime achievement award for the seeker of the truth goes to kim mitchell all right and the 20 what is the 20 is the 2018 twippy award for best pinball podcast goes to 